You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production, enhancing your Philly sports experience. What's going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Birds Banter Podcast. First, I hope you guys are all feeling better um, after that heartbreaking loss against the Seahawks. I know I'm finally coming to accept it, watching some other football games. The divisional round was um, decent. A lot of the games were blowouts. I think three out of the four were blowouts, but that game with the Packers and Seahawks, that was a really good game. I'm glad that the Packers came out on top, so the Seahawks were knocked out. I don't like seeing the team that beat my favorite team advanced so um that was good to see made me feel a little bit better um hope you guys are feeling the same as always make sure you're subscribing to birds banter on spotify apple Podcasts, whatever it may be so whenever i'm recording this podcast it goes directly to your phone you can listen to it whenever you want today i have two more podcasts i want to do before i get into full off-season talk um this first one this one of two is going to be kind of of a review of my off-season takes. Um, a lot of the feedback that I got in Apple Podcast reviews the past couple of weeks and all throughout the season was a lot of people were happy that I wasn't coming on and doing a ton of hot takes. Um, they were respecting that I was just coming on, giving my ideas in a respectful way, um, wasn't putting crazy ideas out there, and they found that it was a more enjoyable listening experience because I don't want to be here um, rambling on and on about stuff that people won't enjoy and stuff that I don't believe in. So I'm true to what I believe in uh, with the Eagles content that I put out there. Um, So I hope you guys are still enjoying this. But another thing I want to do in this podcast is take the takes that I had um, over the offseason and review them. How did I do? Uh, I don't want to put takes out there and just leave it out there to dry. I want to see if I got them right, if I got them wrong, um, what happened there. So I'm going to talk about a lot that uh, I talked about over the summer and see what I got right, what I got wrong, and we'll go from there. Um, First of all, I recorded this podcast June 26th. Um, It was who we thought was going to be the leading stat leaders for the Eagles, um, offense and defense-wise. So first of all, Obviously, we all believed that Carson Wentz was going to be the leading passer for the Eagles. So I said Carson Wentz was going to finish with 4,000 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, and anywhere between 8 to 10 interceptions. Um, When I recorded, I mentioned how Carson Wentz was getting healthier. He was coming off that back injury, but he took the entire offseason to get healthier. He has so many weapons around him. When it was recorded, we had... Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, all those players you get excited for. Um, So it was easy to believe that Carson Wentz could achieve 35 touchdowns or whatever it may be. Um, I also mentioned in the podcast that I think that Carson Wentz stats will be taken away a little bit because of the run game. In years past, in 2016, he had um, Ryan Matthews. 2017, he had... Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, Corey Clement, 2018, Jay Ajayi again, um, 2019. He's getting finally he's finally getting a really good um, running back group. So 
Although 2017, there was a really good group behind him. Uh, I think this past season was the best that he's played with. So I thought that was going to take a few touchdowns away from Wentz um, in the red zone when he would most likely throw the ball. Maybe they would run it a little bit more. Um, and that would obviously take away some yards too. So I thought that would, I factored that in a little bit. So after the season's over, his actual stat line was 4,039 passing yards. So I was 39 passing yards short, 27 touchdowns. So I was off by eight touchdowns there. And he had seven interceptions. I said eight to 10. So interceptions and passing yards, I almost got right on the money. Um, He outperformed both of them touchdowns he underperformed um first of all with the yards and interceptions i think i got those uh right because i just understood how wentz is as a quarterback um he's not the quarterback that's gonna you know throw deep bombs the entire game which is fine he's gonna do it every once in a while if he has the weapon you saw that with deshaun jackson if he's open uh he's got that deep threat down there he's not afraid to let it let it uh rip but he's not a quarterback to do that every single possession and that's fine um, he's more of a player that wants to get the medium kind of chunk plays. You don't have to go for the deep bomb every single play, but you're not going to throw a slant every single play and just get three yards. Um, he's kind of right in the middle of that. He'll give you all of the different possibilities, the short passes, the medium passes, and the long passes. But I would say most of them, you're going to see the medium passes out of Carson Wentz, and I think that's what he excels at. Um, so that's why I picked in that yard range interceptions when I recorded the podcast I said that Carson Wentz wasn't you know the smartest person with the ball he was going to make some mistakes but he was going to get better and man he did amazing with interceptions this year only seven interceptions and he played all 16 games that's a great uh, step in his career he really proved me wrong even though I was only off uh, from one to three interceptions there he proved me wrong I'm so happy that he did because he was so so careful with the ball um, interceptions wise fumbling that needs to work on a little bit but interceptions wise he was smart with the football Um, I think that coaching is the blame for the lower scoring like his touchdowns wise I don't I think he would have got more touchdowns if you know Doug Peterson Doug Peterson I give him a lot of credit but uh, Mike Groh I've been very critical of him as offensive coordinator. He's gone now. Um, him and you know Carson Walsh for not developing those receivers correctly as the wide receivers coach. So I think coaching is definitely to blame for some of the lower scoring, and that's why I got the touchdowns wrong there because Carson Wentz definitely has it in him to score 35 touchdowns in a full season. And um, obviously the the main point, the so many injuries in the, to the offensive weapons. You got Deshaun Jackson. Alshon Jeffrey, Jordan Howard out for a little bit, um, all of those combined, it's going to put a hurting on a quarterback. And I'm very impressed that Carson Wentz ended up finishing the season with 4,000 yards like he did. The next stack category was the leading rusher. And I said Jordan Howard would be the leading rusher and he would rush for 850 yards. When I recorded the podcast, I said that Jordan Howard would have something to prove to Chicago because they traded him for almost nothing. After three great seasons uh, with the Bears, they just got rid of him for, I believe it was a fifth or sixth round pick. Um, Almost nothing for the talent that the Eagles got for him. And in his third year in Chicago, the the coaching staff in Chicago basically just said that they valued Tariq Cohen more than Jordan Howard, which still blows my mind. I think they're definitely regretting it now. They still got David Montgomery now to develop, but 
Jordan Howard started off to a great start. Um, he ended up finishing with 525 yards, but he only played 10 games. And it's more like nine games because although he suited up in week 17 to play, he only got one snap and didn't even touch the ball. So factoring in nine games with 525 yards in a full season, that's 933 yards. He would have crushed my prediction by 83 yards. Um, I think he, if he stayed healthy in the entire season, he would definitely do that because the reason that Miles Sanders emerged like the way he did was because Jordan Howard got hurt. Miles Sanders was forced to step into a starting role and take a lot of carries off of Carson Wentz's hands. And Miles Sanders took that and ran with it. He did. He finished the season very well. But if Jordan Howard stayed healthy, I don't think Sanders would have got the amount of touches that he did late in the season. Jordan Howard would have been the lead back still and would have finished. I fully believe he would have finished over 850 yards. Um, so there's another one that the injuries kind of inhibited there. I didn't see an injury like that coming. Um, after he went down, everybody was saying it was a stinger, and he would be you know, out for a couple days, maybe a week, and then it ended up being almost two months. And he only missed one game in his three years prior to coming to Philly. So I didn't expect him to have an injury like that. He was playing really well before he went down. So... All season, I had very, every right to believe that he was going to break that 850 rushing yard mark. But all in all, when he was on the field, he played really well. That's a player that's in a contract year. Um, so the Eagles definitely have a tough decision to see if they want to keep Jordan Howard around. The next category was leading receiver. This is an interesting one. When I recorded this, it was factoring in wide receivers and tight ends. I said Alshon Jeffrey was going to have 800 and 900 yards and that no receiver was going to go over the 1,000-yard mark. Now, after the season's over, his stat line was 490 receiving yards, which was the highest for the wide receivers. Now, I said I'm including all skill positions, so all in all, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders ended up being above him, but Alshon Jeffrey did lead wide receivers in passing yards as crazy or rushing or receiving yards. I'm sorry, receiving yards as crazy as, as that sounds. Alshon Jeffrey was the leading receiver for the Eagles um, wide receivers wise with 490 yards. Uh, when you watched the Eagles play when Alshon Jeffrey was on the field, he did not look like he was the real Alshon Jeffrey. He wasn't playing well. They weren't incorporating him enough. Uh, maybe a couple drop passes here and there. And, I'm just very surprised that no other wide receiver stepped up. But thinking about it, who really could? Because Deshaun Jackson went down, Nelson Aguilar went down. Late in the season, there's a whole bunch of wide receivers, but they weren't with the team as much as Jeffrey was, so they didn't have a chance to beat him out. Um, over the offseason, I said that I picked Jeffrey because Zach Ertz was going to get all the attention because he had a record-breaking year the year before, so he was going to get a lot of double coverages. Deshaun Jackson was likely going to go deep a lot we saw that against the Redskins so that leaves Alshon Jeffrey um if one of the one or two of those guys are getting double covered in Ertz and Jackson Alshon Jeffrey has a bunch of room to work over the middle uh down below with and I think he was definitely going to break out but that's just another player with an injury like Jordan Howard um if he played all the games he was set for 784 receiving yards on track 
Um, that's very close to my prediction. And if he was healthy, I think he would have got pretty close. But um, really, like I said, just didn't show the kind of potential that we saw out of Jeffrey in years past. Um, he had a great game against the Dolphins. I believe he broke the 100-yard uh, mark and a score. But he's not going to be a wide receiver one anymore. I think we can all agree on that. But he can definitely succeed as the wide receiver two or three on the team. Um, he's in a very sticky situation with the team right now with his contract. It's fully guaranteed next season. So the Eagles are going to have to decide should they keep him around with a pretty much a whole entire offseason where he won't be healthy and take the risk in 2020 or try to trade him and have someone take on the big contract or try to release him and just take the dead hit. Um, that would be $26 million over the next three years, I believe is the number, um, which is definitely a hefty number to take right there. So there's three situations, but um, I think if Jeffrey's on the team and they bring in, they get Deshaun Jackson back healthy and they get a skilled receiver in the draft and maybe one in free agency and Alshon Jeffrey's all of a sudden the wide receiver two, three, or four, they're going to be fine. Uh, I would like to see him on the team next year. Next stat category is leading tackler. I said Malcolm Jenkins for this. Um, I mentioned how he's always very healthy. In 2018, he's played every single defensive snap. In 2019, it was the same. He's very versatile. In 2018, 2017, what have you, he played linebacker, nickel corner, safety, cornerback. 2019, did the same thing. He's a very skilled player. You know what he brings to the defense. He ended up leading the team with 81 tackles, so another stat prediction that I got right. Um, he came really came on late in the season. He started off kind of slow. Um, everybody was kind of critical of him just because he spent the offseason complaining that he wanted more money, didn't get a reworked contract, but he ended up playing. I respect him for doing that and not sitting out like other players do in the league. Um, he ended up playing, didn't really play up to his potential the first couple of weeks, but Late in the season, especially the last four or five games, Jenkins was all over the field, playing really well, um, went from nothing to something, ended up leading the team in tackles. He overtook Rodney McLeod, I believe it was in week 15 for tackles, and he held the lead uh, late in the season. He showed his presence every single game late in the stretch um, when the Eagles really needed him to. Next on defense, interceptions. When we recorded this, when it was me, Logan, and Sean as with the co-hosts, um, we all said Avante Maddox was going to lead the team in interceptions. I said that Maddox was going to get six interceptions. I mentioned how he ended the season on a great note in 2018. Um, he played really well, showed his versatility. He was thrown in at nickel corner, corner outside corner, uh, safety even. And I thought he would be a very good outside cornerback. I thought that's where he was going to be this season. But this is my worst uh, prediction over the offseason. Maddox had zero interceptions. And looking at the other players on the team, there's a four-way tie at two interceptions. Nobody got over two interceptions for the entire team. Um, the four-way tie was between Roddy McLeod and Nate Gary, Sidney Jones, and Ronald Darby. I really thought that Maddox would be in a bigger role on the outside as an outside cornerback. Um, I liked what I saw out of him late in the season, especially against the 
Texans back in 2018. He played really well against DeAndre Hopkins, but he was kept on the inside mostly. Um, didn't really agree with that, but it is what it is. He played pretty well there. Um, he ended up only playing 12 games and started in six of them. So there's another injured player, if you remember, against the Packers um, early in the season. He had that scary head injury when Andrew Sandejo collided with him. So he missed time from that, but I fully expected him to get a couple interceptions in those 12 games, but he ended up ending with zero. The next category was who was going to lead the team in sacks, and I picked Derek Barnett with over 10 sacks. Uh, I mentioned how the defensive tackle depth was going to limit Fletcher Cox from getting that amount of sacks. I think that Fletcher Cox is definitely a big force on the defensive line, and he's definitely a candidate to get a ton of sacks in a season, but in the time frame that we were recording this, the Eagles had Malik Jackson, Tim Jernigan, Hassan Ridgeway, all in that defensive tackle group. So Fletcher Cox wasn't going to see the field as much as he did in the past. So I think that was going to limit him a little bit. And it definitely did. He didn't have the season that everybody expected him to. But also a reason why I picked Barnett was I was very critical on the Eagles defensive end depth. Um, going into the season, they had Barnett and Brandon Graham on the outside and then the depth pieces were Sharif Miller, Vinnie Curry, Deshaun Hall, really not players that were going to step up like players in the past with Michael Bennett, Chris Long that could come off the bench and still have an immediate impact. The Eagles were lacking that a lot, as I thought. Um, Vinnie Curry definitely stepped up. Josh Sweat had a great year. Um, but going back to Derek Barnett, he ended up with 6.5 total sacks. Brandon Graham led the team with 8.5. Brandon Graham really blew me away. I didn't agree with the Eagles signing him for that much money in the offseason because he was an aging player. I thought the Eagles could have spent their money a little bit better by putting three to five million extra per year to a younger player, better pass rusher. But Brandon Graham had a great year, ended up leading the team in sacks. Uh, I'm really glad now that the Eagles brought him back because it's looking like a really good deal and they end up restructuring the contract as well. So it's working out for them financially and on the field, so I can't complain with that. Um, but going back to Barnett in another sense, back on June 21st, I said that Derek Barnett was going to be my breakout player for the year, and I don't think he was at all. He had a good season, but definitely wasn't the breakout season. You could argue that could be Dallas Goddard, Boston Scott, um, many other players, but Barnett definitely wouldn't be in the top five there. He's just plugging away with above average seasons for his entire career so far this three-year career he missed two games so far or overall in the season um, they were later in the season he ended up with 30 tackles six and a half sacks and two forced fumbles Derek Barnett is a good player don't get me wrong but so far in his career he's not worth that 14th overall pick the Eagles drafted him as sort of a, a replacement piece um, someone to plug in with Brandon Graham in years in the future. Well, now's the perfect time for Brandon Graham to, or uh, Derek Barnett to step up and be that force next to Brandon Graham. And he is. He got six and a half sacks. But when I'm looking at a player that's drafted not only in the first round, but the top half of the first round, I'm expecting more than six and a half sacks uh, in your third year in the league. I think he could have done a lot better this year. He also is kind of questionable in his decisions on the field early in the year he had a couple of uh you could argue dirty hits he was arguing they were like bang bang plays the one that really comes to mind was against the Packers I think it was Jamal Williams he knocked out of the game with a head-to-head -head injury so 
Uh, Derek Barnett, you know, he's not really a player that comes to mind when I'm thinking about a breakout player or a top player on either side of the ball. I think he should definitely grow into that role. He has a great year ahead of him to try to do so because it doesn't look like the Eagles are going to bring in a big-name defensive end to replace him or put him right behind. Um, They are very confident in their younger guys and the depth pieces. I'm not going to lose hope in him, but he needs a big season coming up in that contract year to get that money um, that he deserves later on in his career. July 5th, I had a podcast about our expectations for the secondary. Um, This one's a little bit different. Uh, My takes were some right, some wrong for this one as well. I said that I believe the best possible starting trio for these cornerbacks was going to be Ronald Darby, Avante Maddox, and Sidney Jones. Week one, I believe it was Darby, um, Sidney Jones, and Rasul Douglas. And there was a ton of shakeup um, in this Eagles secondary because, one, due to injuries, two, due to play um, of these cornerbacks, sometimes they would you know, really blow them away. Sidney Jones late in the season had a great end of, end of the year, um, played super well and deserved that starting role, whereas a player like Ronald Darby was struggling, they ended up getting hurt. So there was constant change and influx in these cornerbacks. And Craven LeBlanc was someone that really I overthought um, in the offseason because he just got injured. He was going to spend the first eight weeks out. Um he was someone that was going to be kind of forgotten about, even if he was healthy, because he was probably going to be fifth or sixth on the depth chart, not really playing much, but he ended the season in 2018 on a very high note. He had that huge interception against the Saints, but it ended up being Craven LeBlanc who ended the season probably the best out of all the cornerbacks. Um, played really well in the playoffs, last couple of games of the season. Him and Sidney Jones are really prominent pieces for, pieces for the offseason here. Um... I, one thing I said about this Eagles secondary was that I expected them to be a top 10 secondary. Eagles ended up giving up 241 passing yards a game. And most surprisingly, out of this group, they gave up their big games to you know, Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Dak Prescott. Uh, the games where they should be limiting these average to below average quarterbacks to very poor games and it's stepping up, they weren't playing well. And that's one thing that really got to me. And for the past couple of years, and last year especially, I thought it was important to have many decent corners, knowing that you know one or two might get injured, one or two might regress, and some might break out. I thought that was going to be really good for the Eagles to have six corners that could step in and play decent. They're not going to be bad, but they're not going to be super good. But now, my mindset changed a little bit. After seeing this, two or three years now, I want the Eagles to get a true lockdown corner who they can trust to stay healthy, but also lock down a top receiver. I think they need to look into the draft, possibly free agency with Byron Jones, and get that player that they have full faith in to lock down a side of the field. They looked into a player like that with Jalen Ramsey. Um, I think their money is going to be better spent in the first or second round of the draft. This is a good cornerback draft class, and I think they can find someone that they can develop into a top corner in this league. That's going to be super important to have a top corner on one side, but then on the other side, you have 
Jalen Mills if he resigns, or in the middle you have Craven LeBlanc, Avante Maddox. That's going to be a good group. But going forward, I think the Eagles need a top corner. Um, that's really where my mindset changed in that take there and the expectations for the secondary. A couple of weeks later, at July 22nd, I gave my five most important Eagles. Number five was Carson Wentz. I honestly need to move him up to the top of the list now. He had a great end of the year, really proved everyone wrong. Even the people that were supporting him, I don't think anybody expected to see what he did with those kind of players and those kind of offensive weapons. The reasoning why I put him at five was because Foles stepped in well, just as well, in 2017 and 2018. Won the Super Bowl in 2017, 2018, he had the playoff win. That's not a knock to Carson Wentz. I've been saying time after time in these Foles and Wentz debates that Foles can make you a good team. He can make you compete. But Wentz overall and in the long term, he's going to make you a great team. The The way the Eagles have their offense set up with all these great offensive weapons and this good scheme shows that any quarterback can step in and compete, especially a guy like Nick Foles. The pieces are all there. They have that competitive spirit as well. But with a guy like Carson Wentz, you can step in and be great. The reason that pretty much almost any quarterback can step in and make the team good is why I put Carson Wentz lower on the list. Just because it's not the most important play, or the most important position on the offense for the Eagles. They're set up so a lot of players can succeed. It's not a knock on Wentz at all. You guys know how much I support Wentz, but it's more of a compliment to the scheme and the skilled players on this team. Number four, I had Deshaun Jackson. And I think this really shows how important he was. In week one, he had over 150 yards, two touchdowns, an immediate impact on this offense. And the lack of impact thereof uh, after, after week one, didn't have anything. Week two, week three, up until the Bears game, he had one reception and then was shut down for the entire year. Eagles didn't get to see him in the playoffs at all. If they advanced the divisional round, he was going to be able to play, but he Eagles didn't advance to give him that opportunity. I think I got this pick right on the money. Deshaun Jackson, although he's an older player and a wide receiver, you don't think of him being as an important of a player, but the fact that he sh- he proved me wrong. He or he proved everyone wrong. I'm sorry, because um, you don't think that he's going to be that top guy that's going to be so important to the offense but you know he proved me right he shows that he has that huge impact not only in the deep threat game but running those slants intermediate routes if he played all season I would have been ecstatic it would be so fun to watch him in this offense and you know that him and Carson Wentz had that great connection together number three I had Lane Johnson Um, Lane Johnson is definitely a key player on the offensive line and the offensive line really struggled when he got hurt. I was really looking forward to not only having Deshaun Jackson back in the divisional round if the Eagles advanced, but Lane Johnson as well. The Eagles' offense would have been so much better. Um, Johnson does have his ups and downs, but it's more positive than negative. Definitely more positive. He's a really good player, Pro Bowl caliber player, and I was really looking forward to seeing him in this offense late in the season because he's an integral part of it. Unfortunately, he went down with an injury in week 14 and couldn't return, but you know, it just goes to show how important he is because 
when he went down and Vitae had to step in, the offensive line started to struggle a little bit. Um, part of that was because Brandon Brooks went down as well. But those that right side of the line is super important. Number two in my list was Fletcher Cox. I think this was proven correct as well. The defensive line really sputtered when Cox had a slow start to the season. Um, he wasn't getting adequate pressure on the quarterbacks. He wasn't getting the sacks, tackles, what have you. Really, really poor games out of him. Was, people were being very critical of him, but I think most of it was he wasn't 100% healthy. But once he did get 100% healthy later in the season, his impact was huge. He had a couple of sacks, big tackles, tackles for loss. Um, it's the Fletcher Cox that everyone knows and loves in the defense. The defense played so much better because of it. So because of that reasoning, because the defense kind of struggled early in the year but came on as of late, I think Fletcher Cox was a huge part of that. That's why he's very important to the team. Number one, I had Jason Kelsey. There's not really much bad to say about Jason Kelsey. All there is is, you know, Kelsey, out of all these players, Kelsey was the healthiest the entire season. Um, Carson Wentz was healthy all regular season, but Jason Kelsey also played the entire playoff game. Didn't miss much at all, and he got that first-team All-Pro. Um, so Jason Kelsey was number one on my list in the offseason. I think that's going to stay true going into next season as well. I hope he plays for one or two more seasons with, with the Eagles because um, he's definitely a key piece there, and that was definitely proven right um, after this season. So going back on my list, I think this was proven right all around. I think Wentz needs to move up a little bit, but um, – it just goes to show how when in players get hurt and they move out of the game, it shows how important they really are. When the offense, defense, whatever it may be, starts to struggle, you can kind of see. You take players like Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson for granted. Don't really talk about them too much, but then when they go down or they're not at 100%, it really starts to expose that weakness um, when they're not on the field. So I hope you guys enjoyed that segment of the podcast. It's very interesting to look back to see what I got right and what I got wrong. So then next offseason, offseason in the future, I can make better picks, um, try to get much more right. You're not going to get all of them right, but I'm um, looking forward to making more takes like that this offseason uh, going into the 2020 season. So to end things off today on this podcast, I'm going to start a new segment, which I'm going to call Chill Your Take. Uh, this is new. It's going to be at the end of a podcast every week, and I'm going to take a look at Eagles hot takes out there at the moment from social media, most likely Twitter most of the time, um, see what fans are talking about because there's always crazy takes out there for who fans want to bring in um, to the team, whatever it may be. I'm going to take a look at them. Sometimes I'll agree. Sometimes I'll disagree, and I'll kind of show the reality of the situation, uh, whether it's a good take, a bad take. And um, there's going to be a lot of these takes soon with the offseason coming up, draft talk. Um, looking forward to talking about when fans are going to start saying, Eagles need to draft so-and-so or trade this player, sign this player, etc. Um, there's going to be a lot of hot takes swirling around. So make sure you keep tuning in to the end of these podcasts because I'm going to talk about um, what fans are saying and give my input on it to see if it's legit or if it needs to you know, chill out a little bit. So the first installment of this segment, I'm going to talk about John DeFilippo. Um, he was just fired from being the Jaguars offensive coordinator. If you guys remember, he was the Eagles quarterback coach a couple of years ago. Um, 
most importantly, 2017, he worked with Carson Wentz as a quarterback coach and brought out the best in Wentz. Wentz went on to have an amazing season. Eagles won the Super Bowl that year. Um, he definitely did a lot of great work developing Wentz, but also bringing Foles back up to speed to get him ready for the playoffs. Personally, I like him a lot as a coach, and he's a great offensive mind. Uh, I think everybody got to see a little taste of that with his stint with the Eagles, but as offensive coordinator, I don't think he's suited well for that position, especially with the Eagles. The Eagles ended up denying his interview with the Jets back in 2017, um, so it just kind of shows to you that they obviously like him on the team. They wanted to keep him around as long as possible um, to work with the quarterbacks, especially Carson Wentz. They wanted to have somebody in there that's going to bring out the best in their franchise QB because coaching is a key piece to how these quarterbacks develop in the league. Um, he ended up bringing out the best in Wentz. He had his best season under DeFilippo. But, um, you know, when the Eagles had a great year in 2017, ended up winning the Super Bowl, they just really couldn't hold him around too much longer, um, ended up leaving for the Vikings. So he was the Vikings offensive coordinator in 2018. The Vikings as a team averaged 22.5 points per game. They put up 345 yards per game, and they didn't make the playoffs. He ended up getting fired from that position. Back in, or yeah, Last year in 2019, he was the Jaguars offensive coordinator. They averaged 18.8 points per game, 341 yards per game, and, again, no playoffs. Just a comparison, the Eagles in 2019, they put up 24.1 points per game and 360 yards per game. So better than the Vikings in 18 and the Jags in 19, where DiFilippo was the offensive coordinator for both of those teams and now fired by both of those teams. And one thing I want to point out, the Eagles did that. They did better than those two teams with Mike Groh as their offensive coordinator. Um, an offensive coordinator is a big piece in game planning for games. Um, obviously, Doug Peterson is the play caller for the Eagles. But Groh, Reich, all those offensive coordinators that the Eagles have and had, because Groh's not with the team anymore, um, they're a big piece in making that game plan, making sure the Eagles are ready to go on offense when they finally go back out on the field on Sundays. Um, so that's what I want to ask you guys. Do you really want somebody as your offense coordinator who did worse with other offenses than Mike Groh did with Eagles? Everybody was so critical of Mike Groh, but look, he did better than Filippo did in 2018 and 2019 when he was offensive coordinator. Obviously, Peterson was calling the plays, but like I said, offensive coordinator has still a huge role in the overall input of the offense. And if Mike Garrett was so terrible and everybody wanted him out, why would you want to do a little bit worse? Why would you want to downgrade your offense just to bring in a familiar face and a familiar name? One question I want to have for Filippo is, would he downgrade to the quarterback coach again? That would kind of switch things up a little bit more because if he would put him back with Carson Wentz, then you could possibly move Press Taylor, the current quarterback coach, to wide receivers coach, filling Carson Walsh's position. Um, that would definitely fill in those two roles, and then all of a sudden you just have offensive coordinator open. And my eyes are still on Jim Caldwell and Mike Kafka. I think Caldwell is the front runner for the position right now because the Eagles were linked to him um, right after Mike Groh was fired. They really haven't had any, any interviews that we know of yet, um, but I think Caldwell is definitely the front runner, kind of the fan favorite right now too. But with 
DiFilippo just getting fired this morning from the Jaguars. Everybody's kind of hopping on that train. I just don't understand it. If he wants to come back as a coach, as such as a quarterback's coach, I'm fine with it. But the offensive coordinator, I think that's just too much. I think the Eagles need to get a fresh face. Um, and just because he was on the team before, it doesn't instantly mean that he should be back and consider for the job. Sometimes you just got to move on. That's one thing that I mentioned last week. That's something that I have a little bit of an issue with. Doug is he needs to make sure that he's moving on and making the best decision for the team. He can't be the nice guy and just call him up and say, hey, you want to come do it again in Philly? You got to always find better opportunities for yourself and for your team. I think Doug's going to really come into that realization. He's probably going to be pushed a lot by Jeffrey Lurie to make the best hire possible. Um, So I have full faith that they're going to make the best decision, but I don't think that's going to be DiFilippo. I think they're going to go somewhere outside. Um, Like I said, Jim Caldwell and Mike Kafka are my front runners for the position right now, but there's a lot to consider. And the Eagles kind of have their pick at it. The only other team looking for um, a big coach right now is the Jaguars. They're going to be looking for an offensive coordinator now with DiFilippo gone. So Eagles do kind of have their pick at a lot of options. Uh, But for now, that's all I have for you guys. Hope you enjoyed the discussion today. Make sure you send your thoughts, topic, uh, topic ideas over to me on social media. We're on Twitter at Birds Banter and Instagram at Birds Banter PHL. Um, Like I said, we're going to have one more topic regarding the 2019 season, and then we're fully into off-season draft talk, off-season talk. So looking forward to that. Um, Again, make sure you subscribe so you never miss another Birds banter, and go Birds!